Uh, we're going to be mainly in Proverbs chapter 4, so you can go ahead and turn there if you like. I'm going to do a little bit of review from last week just to uh, make sure we cover our bases. Let's pray together, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do our review here. Our Lord, thank you for the opportunity to meet together as a church. Thank you for the uh, presence of, uh, of the Spirit of God among us. Thank you for, Lord, putting us in your family, that you are our Father, but Lord, also that we have many brothers and sisters, young and old, uh, in Christ also, who, uh, with whom we can fellowship and love and pray for one another and uh, strengthen one another and bear one another's burdens. Thank you for the church of God. Lord, thank you for dying for the church of God. And Lord, we pray that for our Sunday school today, that the things that we study this morning would be profitable and beneficial and would be effectual in our lives. And Lord, help each person here, especially as we look at these things related to the family, to really... Uh, Put these things into practice and uh, be deliberate about our service to you. And Lord, if there's any area in our life that needs work that's uh, out of order, we pray that you would please make that clear to us and we would, uh, we would have a love for you such that we would desire to make whatever changes are necessary. And uh, we, we pray that you would just teach us, Lord, by your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, last, uh, last week we, we were talking about Proverbs uh, 31, about the, we're, we're talking about family matters in our subject. Uh, I don't think we'll be here very much longer uh, in this particular theme in Proverbs about the family, but there's a number of things. We'll talk about children here uh, coming up uh, this week and also probably next week. But last week we talked about Proverbs 31 and the issues related to the family that are covered there. We talked about how that the wife is described as uh, that she is, a, again, a net good. We saw that as well. And, and uh, Proverbs 31 says that she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And that, that little indicator reminds us that marriage is intended to be lifetime. And, uh, and I, I, I just, I believe, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that marriages fail far more often, far sooner. Well, I, you know, I say this, but, but knowing it, how it sounds, far more sooner than they should. Another, what I mean by that is, of course, they shouldn't end at all, but, but people give up. People quit. And uh, that relates to what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, this, this morning in the service. But, uh, but I think the Lord expects us, you know, given that He's only given us basically two outs, Right? For marriage, there's only two. Death and marital infidelity. And uh, we studied that already, but uh, that the Lord wants our, our marriage to last a lifetime. So she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. But again, just as a reminder, many of the descriptions of the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31 are associated with her husband, her home, and her family. Uh, because, and this, is, and this is the important part of that, I think what we learn from that, besides the individual things we see, is that even though this aspect, the domestic part of a, of a lady's life, 
is so openly mocked and, and frowned upon in our society and almost, almost even more so among Christian people. Among Christian, and I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Women that, women that uh, speak evil of the lady whose concentration is upon her home and her husband and her family, women who speak e- evil of that, I'm, I'm referring to Christian women now, I think betray the fact that they themselves have a defiled conscience in the matter. Now, uh, in other words, they attack women that are, are uh, trying to, though imperfectly, but trying to live a life that, that concentrates on those things because they themselves are not. And so, and, and you know, that's human nature, to attack the thing, the, the weak point that you have, to attack it, that's, that's just human nature. But see, I, my family has experienced that. And, of course, it's not right, but it's sad that something that God so highly values is shamed and mocked by the, by the people who say that they follow God and want to live for God. That shouldn't be, just shouldn't be. It says, uh, but, but as we saw in Proverbs 31, even despite all of that, the home and the family remains the center of the woman's influence and virtue described in Proverbs 31. The home and the family remains the center of that. And as we saw last week, it is an, that is an area of life for which there is no and there can be no substitute. That's why the whole idea of a, of a man being a stay-at-home man it's just, it's just, it's not, it, 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 there is no substitute. You cannot substitute a, a lady for a lady in the home. She's the only one that can fulfill that role. So um, that's just, um, it's just a matter of the God-given roles of, uh, of a husband and a wife, a mom and a dad. That's, that's just what the Bible says, whether we like it or not. Uh, no matter whether we're, we're doing well in this area or not doing well in this area, this is what the Bible teaches. And so... Um, and so this is also, just for our own sake, this is also where, where we, both men and women, will find the greatest level of fulfillment in our own hearts and lives is when we're fulfilling this, these roles that God gave us. And so, uh, so we'll move on from there. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4. You're already there. Uh, and... Hold your place in Proverbs 4, and if you would, go to Proverbs chapter 1. I want to skim through a few verses. I want you to want to point this out to you. The first seven chapters of Proverbs have a recurring theme that we need to look at in order to understand our subject today. Look at chapter 1, verse 10. The Bible says, My son, if sinners entice thee. Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my command, my words. Chapter 3, verse 1, says this, My son, forget not my law. Chapter 3, verse number 11, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Verse 21, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Chapter 4, verse 1, Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. He goes on to say in verse number 3, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me. Chapter 4, verse 10, Hear, O my son, 
and receive my sayings. Chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Chapter 5, verse 1. My son, attend unto my wisdom. Chapter 5, verse 7. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Chapter 6, verse 1. My son, if thou wilt be surety for thy friend. Chapter 6, verse 3 says, Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. Chapter 6, verse 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment. Chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. And lastly, chapter 7, verse 24. Hearken unto me now, O ye children, and attend to the voice, the words of my mouth. Now go back to chapter 1. Well, before you do that, here's what I want you to understand about this. Why did I read some 15, 20 verses on, on my son? Because the first, five, first seven chapters of Proverbs are a discussion that a dad is having with his children. Okay, that's what you have to understand. The context of that is a dad is having a discussion with his children. Now, that, that matters a lot for our purposes because... Everything in the first seven, chap seven chapters of Proverbs, practically everything, is not just things God is telling us. That's, that's all true because we know it's the Word of God, but it's not just that. It is spoken in the context of something a father said to his children. So whatever you read in the first seven chapters of Proverbs, you can just mark it off. This was, this was not like God speaking to, to Moses on Mount Sinai. This is a father teaching his child. Consider some of the most, some of the mo most uh, consequential and important truths in Proverbs. For instance, chapter 3. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not <clears throat> unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. But again, this is, we know that doctrinally speaking, we know that this is the Word of God, God speaking it. But this is, as it's, as it's given in the Scripture, this is not God speaking, but a father telling this to his son. Now, what, what, does, that, what does that tell us about, about our, our job as a father or as a mother? Because the Proverbs also refers to the law of one's mother, right? That's what Proverbs chapter 31 talks about. And, and we already saw this already, but Proverbs 31 is primarily an instruction that a mother gave to her son. So we see some of the most important verses in Proverbs that deal with some of the most important matters, not only, not only uh, high-flying spiritual truths, but also very practical matters that God gives us. He gives us by means or by using what a father would say to his children. That's a... That's a and, and by understanding that, it... it it puts, it puts a, a, a burden upon us and a responsibility upon, upon our, us as parents toward our children because parents are the primary spiritual, 
and practical instructors that anybody has. Not <clears throat> Here, Here's the thing. Is, do you guys recognize this as well? That it seems like in the world, teachers in a school are exalted to a place of, of almost, what's that? Priesthood. Priesthood, yeah. In other words, teachers in school, and, and teachers in school have value and they, they help students and stuff. Nobody's, I'm not knocking that at all. But it's, they're exalted to a point where almost like they can't be questioned. They're, they're, in other words, they're exalted to a place where it's almost like they are the primary instructors in a kid's life. That should never be. I don't care if your kid's in a Christian school or a public school, or whatever. That should never be. The parents are alone have that role, the primary instructor, both in spiritual matters and in practical matters. And of course, that overlaps a lot. But now I'm going to introduce you to a word, and this word is, is a trendy word. So you, you've, if you've listened to like whatever, the news or self-help books and stuff like that, you're going to see this word. And I, I know that sometimes you might be like, oh, here we go again, but, but just bear with me because this word, has va- this word has value, okay? The word is intentionality. Intentionality. How many of you have heard this, this word, this concept? Brother Joseph is like, yeah, we have this stupid meetings at work about this. <laughs> right? Yes, yes. It's an intentional meeting. <laughs> All right, here's what intentionality is. Intentionality is the deliberate and purposeful alignment of one's actions and decisions with their chosen goals, values, or principles. It involves the conscious and focused effort to pursue and achieve what one's values, what one values or aims for, with a clear awareness of the desired outcome and a commitment to taking steps, that's key, taking steps, that are in line with those objectives. It is a proactive and mindful, we would say thoughtful approach to making choices and setting priorities, ensuring that one's behavior and actions reflect their underlying values and objectives. It is often associated with personal growth. We know that. That's what I was just saying. Okay, what is it, so what does it mean on a pra- on a, in a practical sense? Remember, we're talking about family matters here. As a parent, so you look at your goal. What is your goal for your kid? If you were just to state a goal and say, what do I want for my children? All right, that, but you, could, you could probably make a bulleted list of that, right? You could probably say, all right, first, I want my child to love the Lord and to develop a walk with God and to do the will of God, right? That, that would be like the top. If, if, you're, if you're a parent of God, that's, that's going to be the top, right? I want my child to love God and follow God and do His will. Boom. I want my child, number two, you might say something, I want my child to have a good work ethic. Right? Number three, I want my child to learn responsibility. Okay? I want them to learn what it's like to have and spend and save money. Okay? I want, and, and earn money. All right? You might say, I want my child to marry right. Right? To marry in the will of God. I want my child to, you know, do well in school to excel, you know, in, the, in that way. You know, I could, you could keep on going. There's lots of things you might put in this. But here's the thing. Those are your goals. 
But if you and I do not take deliberate steps to make those things come to pass, they won't, period. If we shift it in neutral and let go of the wheel, the car is going to go off the road 10 out of 10 times. This is what it means to align your actions and decisions in order to achieve your goals, values, and principles. That means you, you are intentionally and deliberately choosing to do things that will most likely have that outcome. That's what it means. You know what? It's a, it's a biblical concept. We're going to see it in just a minute. All right, look at Proverbs 4. This is, we are jumping into the midst of this first seven chapter instruction that a father is giving to his children. I just want to ask you, listen, if you're a father, if you're a mother, I know it says father, but again, we see by extension, we could apply it to a mother as well. But let me ask you a question. All the things that you, that, that you read, we'll read Proverbs 4, but all the things you read in, in Proverbs 1 through 7, are those things that you have deliberately and intentionally taught your children. In other and what I mean is you've sat down, there's been a there's been actual real moments in time where you have looked at your children in the eyeballs and says, this is what you should do, this is the right way, be careful of that, and on these matters, and you've said that you have intentionally and deliberately instructed them. And it wasn't just kind of incidental. Because this is what this guy in Proverbs is doing. This father is intentionally teaching his, his children. Look what it says. Hear ye children the instruction of a father. And attend to no understanding. I mean, first of all, you have the reality that the writer in Proverbs, Solomon, is sitting down and writing these things for his posterity. Okay? We, again, this is why it's important for us to understand the doctrine of inspiration. The doctrine of inspiration is not that God dictated all of the Bible to some guy and he wrote it down. That's not how inspiration worked. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, God used those men and their circumstances and their personality and their desires and all, and even their faults. And he used them as instruments to pen his word. All right, so in this case, the circumstance is a man is writing a letter, he's writing instructions to his children. That's the circumstance. So he took the time to do that. That's intentional. He took the time to do it. He stopped and made it a priority. Set After all, I mean, he didn't have anything to do. He's just a king. I mean, but he set his time aside and said, and he prioritized something that was important because he wanted his kids to have a certain end. And so he, he made time. He says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and intend to know understanding. Once again, it wasn't just he wrote it down. He took time to teach them as well. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words. Listen, listen to this, please. I, listen, if you're a parent, please listen to this. Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Do you hear the heart of this parent? This is not, you better do what I say. 
Don't you embarrass me. It's not that. This, this father's heart longs for his child to listen to him. He longs for the well-being, both spiritually and practically, of his child. It's not about the parent. It's about the child ending up where the child is. It's not about the parent being embarrassed or looking good. It's about the child. Please listen to me. I want to spare you pain and suffering, right? I hope you see the heart of this parent. I was my father's son. He taught me also, let my heart retain, let thine heart retain my word. He wanted what he said to get into the heart of the child. Listen, there's more to this than just getting your kids to obey. It's not about that. That's, that's part of it. We should have this kind of heart toward our children, grandchildren. But here's why this, as we're going to see more about this, we'll look at the details in just a minute. You know, I talked about being intentional in instruction, which is what this says. Being intentional, intentionally, purposefully, setting time aside to teach your children, instruct them. Here's what I'm afraid, though. I'm afraid in, in, in I don't know about most, but, but in many Christian families, here's how it goes down. There's a problem or a crisis. And most of the time, that problem, not all the time, but, but many times that problem or that crisis that has arisen is a direct result of a lack of instruction, proactive instruction beforehand. So that instruction has not been happening. And so a crisis comes. This crisis arises, and because of the crisis, the parents are embarrassed. How many, how many grocery store incidents have we seen, right? If you Listen, if you want your kids to, to behave in the grocery store, you need to be instructing them before you get to the grocery store. But you know what? That's, that's, I know that's a trivial thing, but it, is, it represents a basic and fundamental problem with parenting generally, which Proverbs addresses, which is there is no deliberate and proactive instruction of the child beforehand. We wait until the crisis arrives, then we're embarrassed in front of everyone, and now we want to act like we're a good parent. Ooh. That's the way it works. You see, the parents are embarrassed, so they react to correct their children. It's reactionary. Right? But notice, in this kind of case, they are reacting, they are correcting rather than instructing. Now, correction is a fine. Kids do dumb. Parents do dumb. <laughs> adults do dumb, do we not? So, of course, we expect little adults to, to also do dumb, and we all do dumb. We all need correction. God corrects us. We correct our, our kids. That's, that's necessary. Proverbs is full of stuff like that. But if we're only correcting and not instructing, what's the difference between correction and instruction? What's the difference? One is done before you mess up and one is done after, basically. Here's the thing. But if, if all we're doing is correcting and not instructing, then that means the sum total of our instruction is only correction. There's no intentional and deliberate instruction. It's only correction ever. 
that's a bad place to be. There is no intentional, purposeful, proactive instruction in wisdom and the things of God when there is no crisis. And here's the thing, what Proverbs tells us over and over is you can't avoid all crises, but if you want to avoid many of them, well then have wisdom to begin with. That's the instruction first. Correction as needed. Now notice in verse 3, I just listen, I just feel like I feel like from, from what I have seen and observed that many times for many listen, please, please hear me, because because I, I really want us to get this. Parenting and dealing with your children is often just incidental. It's just no time or, or purposeful or in deliberate effort is, is taken to really instruct your children in spiritual or practical matters. And the only time we deal with it is when there is a crisis. And that is a terrible shame. And it is a recipe for disaster. If we are not beforehand intentionally instructing our children and teaching them the ways of God and practical things as well, then we are setting up, setting up our children for disaster. You know, often the reason why the parents do so little when it comes to instruction beforehand is because they themselves do not do a very good job of applying the Word of God to their own lives. And so they're, they're ashamed to try to do it in others. In other words, the doctor is sick, so he don't want to go heal anyone else at the doctor's office. And you know, that's, and, and herein lies one of the great truths of, of parenting, which is one of the greatest instructors you'll have in your life is being a parent. It'll teach you as much as you teach them. Because if we do not apply what we read in the Scripture about wisdom and, and many other things, if we don't apply that to ourselves, we're going to find it very hard to teach our kids. So we got to fix ourselves. We got to get right with God ourselves first. Having children will, will teach us that. How can we instruct our children if we don't apply the God's word to ourselves? So what do we, what's the easy road? When, when, that, when that's the, the situation, what's the easy road? You know what the easy road is? Just don't do it. And reel and, and stumble from crisis to crisis. <laughs> because we just, it's easier just not to do it. Just not get right with God. It's easier that way. But notice verse 11. I said verse 3, but notice verse 11. I have taught thee, the father says to the child, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. Notice, I have taught thee. This is not incidental. This is not, this is not, all right, be a good little boy. This is not that. What we're reading in 1 through 7 is him teaching his son. I mean, this is, this is purposeful, intentional, deliberate. So that's the first thing. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom, but notice the second part. I have, what's the, what's the next little three-letter word? Led thee. What, is, what does it mean to lead? Led thee in right paths. You know what that means? That means daddy is on the right path. And daddy wants the children to follow him because he himself is on the right path. You can't ask somebody to follow you on a path that you are not on yourself. course that's what he's doing 
and I think this is where we're getting into the real, when you talk about a father and a mother, this is where we're getting really to the Achilles heel of parenting. It's ultimately a failure of ourselves to follow God. That's, that's sad. Listen, this is why we, we don't need to have such a hard, take a hard line on kids. Kids do bad, we know that. But this is why it, is the, it really is the parent's responsibility. And the way we raise our kids will be a reflection of our own walk with God. That's painful. <laughs> that's painful. Look at verse 3, if you would. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my word. So those, that second part of verse 4 is not actually the father's words. It's the grandfather's words to his son. Now, here's what I want you to understand about that. By our purposeful and deliberate teaching of our children and instructing them in the ways of God and in practical matters, you know what we're doing? We're passing on generational wisdom. That's what's happening here, right? Generational wisdom. My father taught me and I taught you. Are there things that you, mom, dad, want to teach your children that you have been taught good, sound, practical, or spiritual advice, wisdom that you want to pass on to them? You can't do it unless you actually sit down and do it. Sit down and teach them. Now, notice... This instruction in chapter 4 and throughout the, the but we're, we're going to primarily look at chapter 4. Well, I said primarily, but I have a whole bunch of verses written down. But This instruction, I'll say in the first seven chapters, if you read it, is not just biblical instruction about spiritual matters, one's relationship to God. In fact, that's a, probably a minority of the subject matter. Most of the subject matter that we're looking at here deals with very practical things. And you look at Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. That would definitely be a, a spiritual matter. But notice, in the first seven chapters of Proverbs, look at chapter 4, verse 16. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. In verse 14, it's talking about the path of the wicked. So in, this, in these seven chapters, the father is teaching the son about how you recognize and avoid evil men. Verse chapter 2, verse 20 says this, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. So the father is also instructing the child as, as the, the right way to recognize good men and what to do with good men. Make good friends, follow them. The, proverb, the, the father is also, chapter 4, verse 14, he's saying, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. The father is teaching the child about how to and when to avoid evil peer pressure. Now, something that, listen, if, if, we, if you have children, you've got to deal with that. You've got to sit down and talk to your kids about this. And I'm, this is not the, this is not the, the you know, the, the nice little, now don't take drugs, you know, kind of talk. No, this, is, this goes way beyond that. This is that, this is on steroids here. This is parenting, you know, 4.404 and, College or whatever. Dealing with evil peer pressure. In these first seven chapters, uh, for instance, chapter 4, verse 23, notice what it says. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Again, a father speaking to a son, for out of it are, are the issues of life. The father is teaching the son about his own heart, how important it is to keep his heart right. 
But then you get into some more practical things like chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 3. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. And I could go into chapter 2, verse 16, chapter 6, verse 24, chapter 7, verse 6. You know what this is? This is daddy talking about talking to his son about these things. It is right and proper for a dad to talk to his son. The, the pastor, listen, the pastor should definitely not be the only one discussing these matters. Daddy should be like, you need to watch out for this girl. You need to watch out for girls like this. That's what's happening here. That is, that is extremely practical, right? I mean, imagine dads talking to their sons. But, 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 how's it, but again, we go back. How's a dad going to talk to his son about strange women looking at porn? He ain't. You know what's going to happen? The son will be destroyed. Chapter 6, verse 29. Dad talks to his son about adultery. So the... So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. He talks to his uh, son. We, we went over Proverbs 5. Do y'all remember that? That awkward couple of lessons we had about, about what all, all chapter 5 means, drink water of the night, don't own sister. And we had to skip a few, a few words there just because we have young ears and all that kind of thing. You know who's talking, who, who's saying that? Daddy to his son. The use of money. I mean, I, I can go into other things, how you should use money. The, a work ethic, chapter 6, verse 6. Notice this. It says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. We all know that verse, right? Go to the ant, thou sluggard. But remember the context. Dad's talking to his son. That's what's happening. Dishonesty is mentioned in chapter 6, verse 19. Personal relationships with others is a conversation that dad is having with his sons. I could go on and on and on and on in the first seven chapters of Proverbs. That's just one section of Proverbs, but the whole thing is done in light of a dad talking to his children. So the question is, are you and am I intentionally and deliberately instructing our children on things spiritual and things practical in their life from God's Word or not? Even embarrassing things like a husband-wife relationship, uh, issues dealing with women if you're a man, dealing with boys if you're a girl, all that is the role of the parents and that's exactly what we see in Proverbs. All of these things and more are conveyed to the children by their parents. And again, they're not just doctrinal truths that are way up here and those are all fine and good and right, but it's the application of those things in daily life also. They are vitally Practical words of instruction that every father should have with his child. So this is what it means when we talk about family matters. This is what it means to be a parent who is intentional. I just encourage you, if, there's, if we're not there, we ought to take time. Even if it's your grandchildren, take time. If you want, if you want them to end up at a certain place, we're going to have to set. We're going to have to make our decisions that will further that goal, and we're going to have to sacrifice and set time aside. You know, you know. 
Abby got her license recently, right? Got, got her full license. She's had a permit quite a while, but it was, it was a long, sometimes unpleasant process, right? And we spent a lot of time in the car together and a lot of instruction, a lot of correction, those kinds of things. But what's the goal? The goal is for her to be a good driver, a safe driver, right? Somebody I don't have to worry about all the time. Somebody who's not going to get tickets and drive up my, cost my insurance. No, it's more about her safety, obviously. But that's a good example because in order for that goal to be realized, you know what I had to do? I had to put time into it. I had to sit in the car, and she knows. She, she saw my reactions whenever. Now, I'm just being transparent. She knows those times when she said, Dad, can I drive? And what would often my reaction be, especially earlier? I didn't want to. You know why? It's nerve-wracking. I didn't like it. You know, I'm you know, kind of a control freak when it comes to driving, right? I don't like that. I, don't like, I didn't like riding with her. I didn't like correcting her. I didn't like you know, being in, on pins and needles all the time riding with somebody that hasn't learned how to drive quite yet. You know, I, I saw all those things, but listen, if I want the goal to be she's a safe driver and she knows how to drive, it, it's going to require me to intentionally put time aside to do it and not make excuses and say, I'm going, I'm going to do it. This is right. And, if we, and absent that, if we don't do that, forget it. It is not going to automatically happen. She's going to be a bad driver. So let that be a lesson to us from the book of Proverbs. Let's pray.